This is the EMG Podcast Spotlight Interview with your host, Mike Saulpaul. According to Dictionary.com, a Renaissance man is defined as a person who is knowledgeable, educated, and proficient in a wide range of fields. I can't think of a better description for my guest this week, Hudson Heights frontman, Danny Giovanco. Dr. Giovanco is a talented singer, charismatic personality, artist of the graphic design persuasion, and college professor. We chat about his musical resume and interests away from the stage, personally and professionally. Giovanco. 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 I'm sitting here with <clears throat> Danny Javanko. That's correct. Am I saying that correct? Yeah, perfectly. Yeah, not anything at all wrong with that. No, no. How are you, buddy? I'm great. I'm a little a little tired. I just got back from a trip to Europe, so I'm yeah, a little... Where, where were you? I was in Oslo, Norway. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. What brought you to Norway? So I was presenting some of my research at a conference mm-hmm. in, in Oslo, Norway, and... Um, just got back yesterday, so I'm a little jet lagged, but it was a great trip. I want to hear about, uh, we're going to talk about your research and all that, but let's get to the good stuff. Did you like Norway? Norway was amazing. It was the cleanest, most efficient place I've ever been. Every train was on time. Every street was spotless. It was, it, it was, it checked every one of my OCD boxes. So, I mean, that sounds like New Jersey to me, buddy. Yeah, I Clean mean, I, I felt right at home. <laughs> yeah. I, I really did. It was, you know, cruising through the fjords was, was very similar to driving down the turnpike. Of course. It, it really wasn't much different. I think every time I'm on the turnpike, I think fjords. It, exactly. You know? Exactly. I think I bought one of those at Ikea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Danny's come in tonight. I'm very excited. I sat down with your counterpart, Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had a chance to listen to that? Yes, it was awesome. Okay, good. So it was gonna, so entertaining. She talked a lot about you, so the pressure's on. I know. To reciprocate, she was very generous with her com- with her uh, compliments. She was so. so um, we're going to talk a lot about that. And uh, if you listen to that episode and you've listened to other episodes, you know I always ask people to start with uh, who is Danny Javanko in a soundbite. Who are you? Let the people know at home. Okay, so I'm Danny Giovanko. Giovanko, sorry, right? And uh, I'm a Jersey boy. I'm born and raised in Sayreville, New Jersey, and. Unlike Eden, my counterpart, uh, I was not I was not a, a performer, a musician from day one out of the womb. Um, it, it took me a little while to to get comfortable enough to perform in front of people. So so I really discovered music and and grew confident in performing not until high school and college. Um, it's kind of late, kind of late, I think. I mean, in high school you're still a baby, but. For a performer, that is kind of late. A little bit, and yeah. and of course, I always enjoyed music, mm-hmm. and and you know, I think I always excelled at it. But um, but I certainly didn't have that that confidence until much later. So, what kind of kid were you? Uh, nerdy, I think. <laughs> I, I mean, that's not true. I, I I studied hard. I did all my homework. I, mm-hmm. I got straight A's. I was that kind of kid. Um, but I think I was also well well liked because I I'd like to think that I was kind of personable and uh, well-rounded too. Mm-hmm. What? Why the drive? Because I, I obviously you're a well-studied and well, and I tout your resume around here as if it were mine. I'm like, well, Danny is. But uh, where does that drive 
that need to succeed in, in an academic sense come from for you? Uh, probably my mom. She was she was real tough. Yeah. She wasn't the nurturing type. I mean, she she was <laughs> very loving, um, but you know, high expectations, very strict. So so I always had that that drive. Um, my siblings and I all do Italian household. Uh, not really. Super Italian last name, but it's, right. it's just my grandpa. So we all we all carried this this super Italian Jovenko last name, and right. we're all these blonde hair, blue eyed. That's funny. yeah, because I have know, the complete opposite. Irish, Polish folk. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I have the opposite. I have a very non Italian name, yeah. but was raised in an Italian household. Yeah, and a super Italian American accent too. You think I have an accent? Yeah, completely. <laughs> Shut up, you little Irish guy. You. Um, all right, so you grow up in Sayreville, but you're you're doing all your homework. What other things were you into as a kid? Um, well, like I said, when I when I kind of got into high school, that's when I started getting into music, mm-hmm. and um, it started out as my my friend who played the guitar. Let's do this little acoustic duo kind of thing, yep. playing playing coffee shops. Um, so, so then after high school or in high school and beyond, it, it really became about music. Was music a part of your household? Like any musicians at home or anything? No, although my dad just retired and he started taking guitar lessons. Oh, there you go. And he's a rock star now. He's so good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And he never had any, any musical training at all. And just, uh, you know, he has all the time in the world now. So he practices four hours a day <laughs> and <laughs> apparently right. that, that works really well. You yeah, can, go figure what yeah. you can do with time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but um, no, I mean, music was was always on, but but we weren't a, uh, you know, we weren't enrolled in piano lessons since we were five or anything like that. Right. So just a normal, just normal. We'll mm. say it was a normal childhood. Pretty normal. That's yeah. pretty boring. Yeah. Uh, for the for this, I mean, good for you know your psyche, but boring for a podcast. I want somebody I to come in here and open up. You know? I know, but but I do think that's. I think that's what makes uh, my story interesting compared to to Eden's, who you know she was. Born, oh, you, you can't shut her up, right? <laughs> She's just always singing and performing. always, always, and and it was so. Uh, I guess it, it was so intimidating for me when I first joined. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in an acapella group together first, and then we joined a band together. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about all that too. But you know, Eden is a performer. She yeah. is a, a superstar, a diva uh, in the best sense of the word. So I always felt like I, I needed to to uh, compete. I needed to to be equal with her and she it pushed took, it to be better she absolutely didn't right. and it took a while for me to get there but i feel like now we complement each other so well and, and we're both equal in our performance styles um so i, I guess what i'm trying to say is i'm proud of how far that i've come <laughs> see no since i wasn't here, from a musical say, background so what i'm saying is is i you know what's so funny I should put in as a sound drop right here where Eden was going, I hate him. I hate him because he's good at everything. <laughs> After you say this nice, like, glowing thing about her. That's very kind of her. Yeah, very good. It's, it's very not Eden, true, though. Right? Um, so when did you know you could sing? And I don't mean like, I know you were shy, but when did you actually in yourself say, oh, I actually, not only do I like to sing, but I'm good at it. So, um, so I told you that I played kind of acoustic music with, yep. with my friend and we would just do it, you know, in our living rooms, not in front of anyone. But then one day there was a, an announcement for a competition at my high school. Mm-hmm. It was called Serville Idol, naturally. They really broke the bank on the creative on that, huh? <laughs> They really did. Uh-huh. And, and I said, F it, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm terrified, but I think I can carry a tune mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it. Um, and I did it, and 
I got second place, mm-hmm. which that was my first time singing in front of anyone, and I loved it. I I was terrified. What'd you sing? I sang "Amazed" by Lone Star. Oh, oh of course you did. <laughs> I love which it. I still sing to this day. Yep. People still request it as their wedding song. Sometimes it's a great song. It, it is. It's right? a good one. That was my first song, and then I did a, a Sinatra song as my second one. Um, the way you look tonight. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I, I caught the bug, and I was hooked right after that. And that was it. You yeah. were on. Yeah. Um, so high school's coming to a close. Where'd you go to college? I went to the College of New Jersey, TCNJ. And this is where you meet Miss Eden. That's where I met Eden. And uh, what what brought you to that acapella group? Um, someone knocked... You know how when you move in, people kind of come around to make sure you're doing okay. They yeah. tell you about events that are coming up on campus. Uh, someone just told me that there were auditions for an acapella group, and uh, and I went. And the first person I saw when I walked in was Eden, actually. That's funny. Um and I sang, I forget what song I sang. Uh, it was Eric Clapton, Change the World. Uh-huh. And I got in, and uh, that night there was a welcome party for everyone who got in, and it was a blast. <laughs> oh, I think we need we need to know more. Uh, it, you know, it was yeah, typical it was... college stuff. There, <laughs> there were sake bombs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And et cetera. All right. Um, but no, it was it was a typical kind of college party. But but after that, the the Trentones, which was the name of the acapella group, uh, they became like a, a family. And How big was that group? Was it like a few people, or was it one of those giant acapella groups? No, maybe like fifteen. Okay, so kind of big in any given year. Yeah, but we would travel around together. We were friends at rehearsal and outside of rehearsal too. And Are you and Eden the same year, or are you older? She older? She graduated a year ahead of me. Got it. She's she's one year older, and she joined a, a cover band when she left. Um, so then, when I graduated, naturally, she asked if I wanted to to sing with her. Right, and I said yes, of course. And that's but at that point in your life, that's like a totally foreign concept, right? It was. I mean, acapella music is is kind of nerdy. Uh, I love it. I, no, I, I, I think it's. I love acapella stuff, but what I mean is not that. I mean the the, the bar band scene is is. See, my I, when I grew up, my dad played in bands every weekend so that was not what we do now is not was never foreign to me mm-hmm. I'm, i always am fascinated by people who it was foreign to and then they get to it and it's like that's got to be a weird sort of adjustment you know it definitely was and i actually watched a video the other day of one of my first performances with that band mm-hmm. and i was noticeably uncomfortable yeah um, yeah yeah m- my first time singing with them because it is such a different vibe um it's a different animal. It's a totally different beast. It is. It yeah. is. And, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't familiar with it at that point. This mm-hmm. was probably tw- 12 years ago now, 10, 10 or 12 years ago. Um, and it's, I love watching videos of, of me now performing and comparing it to what I looked like back then. Yeah, a, like, timid, a timid little lamb. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, sounded okay, but but looked really nervous. Um, but now I'm, I'm at the point where as soon as the first note of the song yeah, drops, in. I'm I'm in. Yeah, I'm ready yeah, to yeah. go. And so, like, I, you know, if I'm critiquing myself, I listen back to these interviews, and I always, for me, logically, I try to walk through a person's life chronologically, mm-hmm. and I realize that that puts what you're doing now and the reason that brings you here uh, to the to the back of this. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that, so I want to go to Hudson Heights right now, mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of unpackage some of the other stuff. Sure. Um, tell us. In uh, a 30-second elevator pitch, what is Hudson Heights to you? Like, 
you know, I say, oh, you're in a band. Tell me about you. What is it? <laughs> Now's my time. Uh, <laughs> Hudson Heights, to me, you mean to me personally, or, or what What do we... No, like you get into an elevator with somebody and somebody says, oh, I'm engaged. And you go, I'm in a band, mm-hmm. right? What's, what? What is it to you? Like, I'll give you an example. To me, Cityscape, if I have 10 seconds to sell somebody, I say, we are not a wedding band doing weddings. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is my my break-in point to know, here's what I mean by that. Here's how we're different. This is what we're trying to do, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So in your, what's your thesis? Let me put this in academic <laughs> themes. What's your thesis on Hudson Heights? Um, Hudson Heights is a wedding band, but that is so versatile because of the insane quality of our musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, our musicians are, I'm going to go over 30 seconds because I love talking about us. Um, go. But... Our our musicians, um, our guitarist is a classically trained jazz guitarist who can, uh, who is so, just so intimately familiar with his instrument and with music theory that he can play anything. He can learn anything in in thirty seconds. Uh, our our keyboardist John also plays trumpet. Um, we have a, an electric violinist, so we just can can serve any kind of style that that clients ask for, which keeps it so exciting for us because we're not doing the same set every single wedding and and the the same set list. We're always kind of kind of tailoring it to what the client wants. And that can be a variety of styles from Motown to uh, to country sometimes to to hip hop even. Right, right. And uh, the interesting thing that I always forget, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, I forget you're bilingual. See? Hablo español. Oh, sí. Hello. Hola. Uh, how did... How, what? Um, <laughs> That's my question. What? So I... Well, I studied Spanish in, in school and in, in college, but of course, you know, learning a language in a classroom is definitely not the same as yeah. learning it in the real world. Uh, so I moved to Spain when I was in college, mm-hmm. and I lived there for about... I think it was eight months, and I, I moved there and moved in with a Spanish family. I didn't know anyone. Um, I didn't know this family that I moved in with, and uh, we spent eight months together. We had about two-hour dinner conversations every single night in Spanish. So keep up. I, I needed to to learn very quickly in order to survive. And, yeah. you know. See, to, now I'm I, the way I learn Spanish is by watching Narcos on, mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yeah, that's that's an equally as um, effective way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm watching it for a second time, so I'm I'm really dedicated yeah. but all i can say very is very useful cocaine. yeah very useful vocabulary too yeah a little get you out of hairy situations Plato y plomo. that's pretty much all i can say you know? <laughs> that's very useful but anyway so that's great so then um i think that's another layer of versatility for your band mm-hmm. you know you you can MC in spanish you can sing in spanish and i think you really like singing the spanish stuff i love it yeah. i really really love it but uh we also actually just played a wedding where uh the groom was his family was from Peru. So it was awesome to to be able to MC in both Spanish and English and mm-hmm. and truly make it feel like those two families were coming together. Um, and, and some of his family who didn't speak English and were visiting from Peru, they right. felt just as welcome at the party as, as everyone else did. So yeah, I do love singing Despacito and Mark Anthony, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I also love interacting with, with guests and clients in Spanish as well. Do you like uh, interacting isn't that I always think that that's such a special thing that we do is not only are we musicians and we like to play and perform, but it's that working with clients and seeing two families come together and and the joy I mean we get to be and play and perform for people on the best day of their life mm-hmm. you know yep um 
Eden and I always say that our second favorite part, other than performing at the wedding, is meeting the clients mm -hmm. beforehand and just getting to know them and talking to them about what they want, what they like. Uh, you feel like you you form this relationship with them and, and become their friends almost. So so when you're at their wedding performing, you you really do feel like it's this this big happy yeah. uh, party. Yeah, every couple has a story arc that lasts about 15 months, right? Mm -hmm. There's the initial meeting mm -hmm. and you get to know them and go through the planning process and see people when they're like super stressed. And mm -hmm. then at the wedding, it's like that big payoff. And there is at the end, you know, if for if anybody's ever performed in a play or, you know, there's that that elation at the end, there's mm -hmm. that that you're on you're riding a high, you mm -hmm. know, and to see that and to get to do it every weekend is a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. and then the third favorite thing is, of course, cocktail hour. Yes. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is, of course, number three. Truly, Truly. actually. So it goes, you know, playing music, mm -hmm. uh, love and eternal happiness of two families, mm -hmm. and then shrimp cocktail. Yes. Yeah. That, I think that's the right progression. Crab cakes, I would say, but... Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you say tomato, <laughs> you know. Um, you and Eden have very similar uh, voices. Mm-hmm. You have a higher voice. She has a lower voice. It brings you guys kind of closer together in range. Um, I told her this. We talked about it. We had a hard time mixing you guys because of your 15 years of singing together and you're in lockstep, mm -hmm. right? How did that happen? I mean, is it just by standing next to each other and singing hours upon hours? I think it, it started when we were in the acapella group together because with no... With no background music, your voices have to blend really seamlessly. And Eden and I sang a lot of solos together. Well, I guess that's not a solo then. We sang a lot of duets together. <laughs> right, right. Um, so so we always worked very hard to get our voices in sync. Um, and then when we started performing in bands together, uh, I don't know, I guess just hours and hours and hours of rehearsing together and performing together, you just pick up on each other's little uh, idiosyncrasies in, in their voices and um, and I know Eden said this in her podcast, but even our vibratos sometimes are exactly the same yeah. wavelength. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, how did? Because I have an answer on this that I'm going to tell you. Okay, but how do you think the years in the acapella group influenced? Um, I don't want to give away what my answer is, but how how has it influenced your ability to perform now every weekend? What do you take from then and use it now? Um. Maybe we'll have different answers on this, but I, I think that Eden and I can harmonize at the drop of a dime. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I can predict what she's going to do. You know, e yeah. even if we're, we're singing a song that we've, we've just kind of learned and, and um, you know, it's still quite new to us, I, I can kind of look at her and, and know the note she's going to go to because I know her musical style. So I can come in with, with harmonies that I know are going to fit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes, sometimes, let's say there's um, a chorus that she wants me to double up on to, to help her out with. She'll just kind of give me a look and I'll know what she's thinking. Where she's going, right. Um, See, I was going to say, I think you guys, your uh, note selection or your, not even your note selection, your harmony selection, the way you arrange the music is very reminiscent of an acapella group in that they are not your natural choices, not natural, but common choices. Mm -hmm. You know, you're picking... It's not always just like, okay, I'm going to sing the melody and I'll sing the, the third mm -hmm. or the fifth. You guys are, and you're switching back and forth that I think it's, there's a level of complexity there that I don't know if an untrained ear picks up on. An untrained mm -hmm. ear might be like, oh, this sounds different. This mm -hmm. is good. But you, like, you guys should be commended for that because that's really very difficult to do. Thank you, Mike. 
you're welcome. Are, we're done with that now. We can move on. <laughs> I love all these compliments. This is this is so yeah. It's good is, stuff. Yeah, this feels really nice. So, okay, I'm going to transition this conversation now mm-hmm. because I'm very interested in this. Mm-hmm. We're going to move away because I like to use these. Let's paint the can. That's who is Dan Jevenko okay. as a canvas, right? Mm-hmm. We got this a guy who can sing. Mm-hmm. We have um, you can watch Narcos without subtitles no subtitles no needed. subtitles what's whatsoever um let's talk about the rest of of you mm-hmm. you are an academic yes you work at columbia university yes which last i checked was an ivy league school it still is still is mm-hmm. uh-huh tell us about it tell us about what brought you there because we know you like doing homework mm-hmm. apparently that gets you somewhere in life yeah it's what i was always good at so i just thought let's keep doing that yeah, as, yeah. as long as i can okay so um, tell us a little bit yeah, so I, I went to college for undergrad and I studied health communication. Mm-hmm. So essentially, how do we how do we educate the public? How do we communicate health information more effectively? Um, and then I was just hooked on that subject of improving population health and public health. Um, so I went right into my master's degree in public health from Rutgers University. Uh, again, I was hooked, but I was much more interested in research. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, well, the next step logically is the PhD. That's, mm-hmm. that's as high as you can go. Um, so, so I did a PhD program, um, took me about six years to complete mm-hmm. also at Rutgers. Um, and then I graduated with my doctorate in public health. Um, I applied for some grants from the National Institutes of Health related to nicotine addiction, vaping, smoking. Uh, I, I was awarded them and then I got a job at Columbia University as a professor. What do the grants aid you to do? It's more research, right? So the grants um, allow you to hire research assistants. Um, they fund whatever whatever research it is that you're doing. So mm-hmm. if you want to um, if you want to administer a national survey, the grants will give you the funds to do that. Right. Um, they'll provide you with with some salary support. Mm-hmm. They'll pay for supplies. Um, so it kind of just allows you to steer your own ship in terms of your research and field. Mm-hmm. You put together this grant application and propose the budget that you need. And if the National Institutes of Health thinks that it's important and, and worthy of funding, they'll they'll fund it. And I was lucky that they, they felt that way. What drew you to that topic? Um, I was surprised to learn in grad school that smoking is still the leading cause of death in the U.S. Um, and, and at this point, it's really concentrated among people who are socially and economically disadvantaged. So, mm-hmm. you know, some people that I that I talk to, they, they say, are people still smoking anymore? You don't really see people smoking anymore. Um, and it's true that that the smoking rate has plummeted mm-hmm. in, in recent years. But if you look at the smoking rate among people living in poverty, it's about 25%. Uh, people with mental illness, 30 to 40%. Military veterans, much higher. Um, LGBT Americans, much higher. So there's all these these groups that have faced kind of discrimination or, or different kinds of um, social disadvantage that have really, really high rates of substance use in general. Um, and I thought if there is if there is a topic area or an area of research where I can make the most impact, um, it's, it's substance use and addiction. I'm just sitting here fascinated, and I I really hope we don't put people to sleep, but I'm super <laughs> interested in this. I hope not either. You just said something that I have to ask. LGBT? Mm-hmm. Like, why? Um, I think it's because that group has historically faced a lot of uh, discrimination, and and typically when you're a marginalized member of society, you, you engage in, in riskier behaviors. Um, really? 
Yeah. See, I th- that's really interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of um, that there's that psychological connection. factors yeah. behind that. Um, but, but it's also part marketing. So we know that the alcohol and the, the tobacco industry, for example, mm-hmm. have used targeted marketing um, to to advertise towards certain subgroups. So they'll they'll advertise more in LGBT magazines, for example, and LGBT websites. Right, right. Uh, they'll they'll sponsor you know pride events. Right, right, right. So I think there's there's a lot of different uh, factors that that play into that. So really, where I'm I'm gearing this whole conversation is not so much to well, first it, again, it's to tout you as the um, as the academic. I, I love that. But um, let's talk about vaping. Mm-hmm. Vaping has been in the news, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is a very of the moment thing. Um, lots of our brides and grooms mm-hmm. are former reform smokers who vape or mm-hmm. don't or this or that. Dan, what's going on, man? Are we all going to die? What's happening? People are dying, but really, though, it's like eight people. How many hundreds of thousands of people vape, you know? Yeah, so so here's my my statement on, on the topic. Um, we know that smoking is pretty much the worst thing you can do for your health, mm-hmm. uh, smoking cigarettes. Vaping like e-cigarettes or other devices, is much less risky than smoking. So if you're a smoker and you completely switch to a vaping device, you're improving your health. Okay. Uh, of course, the ideal is is that you quit completely. Right. But if you can't, if you've tried for 15 years and can't, if you completely switch to e-cigarettes, that's a better alternative. Okay. Um, if you've never smoked before and you just start vaping, that's not a good thing. Right. Because then there's no risk reduction happening. You're just introducing right. chemicals and... and toxicants into your system. Um, with the vaping deaths that we've seen recently, um, most of those are caused by THC vaping yep. devices. So and they people, were cutting it with something, right? It was kind of like street sales yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of uh, marijuana vaping devices mm-hmm. that people were using. So it was this ingredient found in those kinds of products that, that were making people sick. Um, so there's a lot of talk now about banning e-cigarettes altogether, which isn't really a, an appropriate public health solution because it's not things like jewel or e-cigarettes that are that are killing people why do you think in our country mm-hmm. um, health agencies have downplayed e-cigarettes and in other countries around the world that are not that are very similar to us in terms of development have touted it as being like this is no if you're a smoker we should push you in this way do you think that's a very American centric thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, we were a country essentially founded by Puritans, and, and I think we still have that puritanical way of thinking when it comes to substance use. Um, you know, it's no drinking, no smoking at all, whereas other cultures are a little more um, <clears throat> a little more receptive to drinking in moderation, you know, like the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> of course, naturally. <laughs> you know, have, having wine. I mean, even even some 16-year-olds have wine at dinner at their at their parents' house in I was in 11 Italy. years old sucking down a glass of wine. Exactly, so I know. exactly. And and the Irish even more. Um, <laughs> but but I think Americans in general have, have been um, a little bit kind of uh, puritanical and absolutist mm-hmm. about substance use, whereas other, other countries are more receptive to uh, harm reduction. They realize that people aren't just going to stop using all drugs. So if there's a safer way to consume drugs... Um, we should encourage that among people who are going to use anyway. Seems reasonable. I think so. Right? I mean, but it's, it's, it's controversial. It's very controversial. But I, what I mean, it seems reasonable, and I, I don't mean to turn this into a political thing, but why? where did we lose the ability to talk in the middle? Damn, what am I even saying right now? I'm having a mental <laughs> breakdown right here in a plato y plomo. You know what I mean? 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's... But you know what I'm saying? Like, I tell my kids, because I'm a teacher as well, mm-hmm. um, they knew that I was going to see Dr. Vape tonight mm-hmm. because we had a, an event at the school yesterday, high school kids, all of all of who, whom, by the way, vape, all, sure. literally all of them. They're very honest with me. Mm-hmm. I, well, I don't know because I'm going to narc them out, but... <laughs> Uh, they feel like it's a safe space. Yeah, I told him about you, and I said, you know, I'm going to ask. He's an academic. I touted you again. But uh, I really did want to ask you that, you know. And uh, I say, look, this is kind of my feeling on it. I think it's mass hysteria to say we're banning all these cigarettes now because eight people died from a street-ready thing. Um, But we do know that don't introduce, like your lungs weren't made for that, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So if you're young, don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Right? That, I mean, that's, like, that's the problem with the youth issue is that most youth that are using Juul and other e-cigarettes yeah. now, um, they weren't hardcore smokers that couldn't quit. They're right. just starting to use these products. So there's there's truly no benefit to them, and, and they're only introducing health risks. And that's why there is this kind of mass yeah. hysteria. But I well, always you know say that... Cra- you and I are about the same age. When, mm-hmm. I, when we were in high school, and I told them this, I said, you know, I asked them yesterday, how many people have at least tried a vape? Mm-hmm. Out of 28 kids, 26 of them put their hands up, you know? How and the other people- two were lying. Exactly, right? <laughs> how many of you vape on a regular basis? And I asked the question, whatever. Um... I said, how many of you have tried a cigarette? I think I had two kids out of 60 yeah. in two classes. Yeah. Now, when we were in high school, those numbers would have been reversed. There Flip. were no vapes, you know? Right. But, like, I was a hardcore smoker by the time I was 18, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, the, but if I had a vape, I would have done it, for mm-hmm. sure. I know it, you yeah. know? Um, it's just kind of fascinating. Yeah, you know? so now now it's about finding the balance. We, we do need to do something about youth use because it is... They are introducing health risks, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't recommend taking any kind of extreme action that also takes away a reduced risk product for smokers who are dying from smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's finding that balance. That's what I talked about in Norway, actually. About finding balance. Finding balance. You're such a fjord. And I, <laughs> what is a fjord, by the way? <laughs> a fjord? A fjord? Fjord? I don't know. It's some. It's like a... a mountains with kind of water it's something nature like you water. know the norwegians they they love their natural elements. i liked you trying to like illustrate with your hands of course the listeners can't tell but that was very interesting yeah so what else should we know about you um well actually so i, I was thinking about this on the drive here because i knew you wanted to talk about my my academic side of life and and my music side of life and mm-hmm. i was trying to think about like how do they tie together at all mm-hmm. to kind of complete this canvas that we're that we're painting and i really think they they both complement each other in many ways so as an ac- academic i have to think on my feet a lot mm-hmm. if if i give a talk i get hard questions afterwards and i have to engage in in debate and i really need to be on it and the same is true at weddings sometimes something happens and you need to adapt and you need to to go oh, with God, it yeah um and even things like um, doing introductions, you know, you have to make sure you get the names right, you sound professional. Um, so I think my my academic and research training helps me in, in the wedding arena. And I think that being a wedding singer and being in a, in a wedding band helps me in my day job. Right. Because I never, ever get nervous public speaking. Um, if I have to give a talk or, or teach in, in front of a class. And right. I think it's because when you when you have to sing someone's first dance, oh the most God. important day of their life, yeah. 
that's pressure. You know, that that should make you nervous. Um, so so now I'm like, oh, talking in, in front of these... These, yeah. uh, <laughs> these fjords. Um, no, I, I think that that's a really good point. I think it's helped me communicate mm-hmm. my teaching side of things and, and my music side of things. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I can, I can, I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it ties both sides together. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself on both sides of the spectrum five years from now? Mm. I, I hope exactly where I am now. Um, um, I feel like, you know, I have my day job because it's what pays the bills mm-hmm. and, and I, it's what I, I do love to do. But mm-hmm. on the weekends, getting to let my hair down and and perform for people and entertain people mm-hmm. and, and help people have one of the best days of their lives, that just completes me. You know what's interesting is... You I'm know, sure you feel the same exact way. I'm sure anyone with, with a different kind of day job feels that way. Yeah, except the part that I hate about teaching would be the more closed off academic um it's a very isolating type of feeling when you're doing paperwork and lesson mm-hmm. planning. The part I love mm-hmm. is the performance part, mm-hmm. right? I always joke I do 5 shows a day. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm at home, I'm very natural there. To me, the research and being tucked away and doing all that you do, which is insanely important work, and then performing on the weekends, that's like two totally different sides of the spectrum. I think I think Hudson Heights is how I stay sane, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I it, think bal- I might it balances go, you out. You know, crunching numbers and writing papers and, and doing the research all day. Um, I think if I didn't have this outlet that, right. I, that I love, um, I probably would go insane. So, <laughs> Yeah. So let's recap, shall we? Sure. You're going to teach me Spanish. See, si. I think we said that. Um, Hudson Heights, super versatile. Mm-hmm. I think that your wild card in that band, outside of your harmony selections and things, mm-hmm. is your electric violin. I think yes. that that opens up. That's something nobody else here, no other band can offer. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you love your research. Mm-hmm. Together, we're going to solve teen vaping. Yes. I think yeah. we just formed some sort of super group. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eden completes you. That is that is the most accurate thing that you've said today. Amazing. <laughs> You've said it all. I cannot let you get out of here before a little section I like to call quick questions. Will you play with me? I love it. Here we go. You ready? That was quick, Dan. Okay. It's quick. Eden had a hard time being quick. Oh, God. Have you ever been in love? Yes, I am. Oh, am? Oh, is this just one one word? Well, no. But it's quick. So don't get all friggin' academic on me. Yes. Next. Um, (laughs) uh, How do you define happiness? Uh, doing something that you love all Fav- the time. Favorite place to eat? Um, Porta in Jersey City. Chocolate or caramel? Chocolate. Favorite Halloween costume? Um, Dracula. What impresses you? Speaking different languages. Mm, good answer. What annoys you? Chewing with your mouth open. What is the most interesting thing that you have in your car? A blanket. Oh my gosh, I don't have anything in my car. Uh, you, l- truly, that's... What if you get stranded on the road? At least you'll I'll stay warm. Very warm. Um, describe your life in your 20s with one word. Regrettable. Ooh. Um, what are your feelings on getting old? In a soundbite? Bring it on. I love it. And if you were getting married tomorrow, what would your entertainment package look like? 
a full live band from ceremony to cocktail hour to reception. Straight through. Yes. Live music. Yes. Danny, thank you so much for coming in, buddy. We will see you on a dance floor soon. Thanks, Mike. Take care. You can find us at elegantmusicgroup.com or on Instagram at elegantmusicgroup.com.